0: Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week, we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Good day to you. This is Brad Zockel, and you're listening to the Questions About Heaven podcast. Boy, I'm glad that you're with me today. We're moving through the book of Revelation verse by verse, and can you believe it? We're in chapter 14 already. It has been a somber narrative as we've been moving along here. I mean, we saw the joy of the identification of the Christ in Revelation chapter 1, the magnificence. And also the commendation, not to all, but to at least some of the churches in chapter 2 and 3. We saw the stepping into heaven, the throne of God in chapter 4, the celebration with the angels. Chapter 5, as Jesus reclaims the universe for his own. And then the judgment started coming. Beginning with chapter 6, we start seeing some magnificent events of justice coming from god himself and some of them are indeed terrifying so it's been more of a somber uh, narrative as we continue on and we're looking at these things but we should not be upset with the fact that god is going to show his glory god is going to show his right and justice will prevail many times people will come to me and say it seems awful cruel That God would have such judgments, and these very same people will be asking me, why doesn't God do something about the evil on the earth? Well, let's take the whole picture, and let's take it right down to where we are as we've been watching. And if you have not been able to follow me through the book of Revelation, why all of these podcasts are available for you, you can go right down through there, and our wonderful editing team in California has been putting them out and giving them the title so you know exactly where you are in reading the particular passage along with the title. So today we start off Revelation chapter 14 in answer to the question among many people, who are the 144,000? Now I will say this, we did talk about them in Revelation chapter 7, and we're going to continue on in another parenthesis, a break here in everything going on, and this is a celebration. We take a look at this passage, and I want you to imagine this. This is the combination of the best New Year's celebration, the best Christmases, the best birthday party you've enjoyed, along with your favorite team winning the Super Bowl and the World Cup. Wrap them all up, put them together. Your country has won the war all of these things give you an idea of the beginning of the joy and the celebration. I'm going to start off as we see this passage talking about the lamb who is Jesus, capital L for the lamb, and the 12 tribes of 12,000 which would equal 144,000. I'm going to be reading this time from the Legacy version, it's very very faithful to the original Greek and so in this particular reading I will be going from that translation. Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, Then I looked, and, behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with Him 144,000, having His name and the name of His Father written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters, and the sound of loud thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. These are the ones who are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They have been purchased from among men as firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. And no lie was found in their mouth. They are blameless. These first five verses that we're looking at here have a wealth of meaning and depth and information. And let's break it down, walk through it very, very carefully as we're looking at something so fantastic here. This is a victory song. This is a victory celebration here when we take a look at this. The first thing we see is we're looking at a place that's not called heaven. It's called Mount Zion. And we see one who is not clearly called Jesus. He is called the Lamb. Well, there's great significance in all this, and so we don't need to be intimidated. We show that the overall thing that we're seeing here, the overall theme, is victory. God has won. Jesus is victorious. Now, we took a look, and we went back to 144,000. When's the last time we saw them? Well, go back to Revelation chapter 7. And we did receive the introduction of them. They were Jewish. They were Christians. They were believers in Yahweh. They were ministering all through this time as missionaries during this time of the Great Tribulation. They were also sealed for protection not only against the wiles and the warring of Satan, But also from, may I say this, from the friendly fire from God, because these these, uh, wrath, the wrath of God coming down in justice can consume many. So they were sealed there. They were part of this. Now they entered in in Revelation chapter 7. We look in chapter 14 and we see the results of what happened in chapter 13. When we looked at chapter 13 and the Antichrist, or you may have this also referred to as the beast, it seems intimidating he's having people put the seal, his seal, the 666 designation on them, in order to be able to have commerce, to have any social standing, to be able to survive. And it seems like what well, they cannot defeat uh, anybody like this, this worldwide leader, celtic leader this antichrist who could defeat him well we just see right here revelation chapter 14 they did jesus won and they were part of that victory it reminds me in revelation chapter 19 as christ comes down into armageddon we will follow him we'll be able to have front row seats in seeing the victory that's there all the credit and glory goes to jesus but we will be able to be part of that celebration it's the same way here too so when we see this we're taking a look at this victory celebration that ref, uh, refers back to the previous chapter on this one that seemed like he had total control of the world, but no, he's not. R- I want to remind you, back there, the call was that he had the right and the ability to make war against the saints and to overcome them. And when he is in this power mad attack, would anybody survive? Well, you see right here that the victory is being celebrated by the missionaries here, which is saying, no, you may have had your run, but your time is over and the enemy is going down. So we'll take a look at this and we'll see why this victory is here and how these uh, 144,000 have a part in this. This is a wonderful, wonderful passage talking about in the midst of even the worst times we can rely upon the victory of the Lord. Thinking of Psalm 23, I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I won't fear any evil. You're with me, Lord. You're wrought in your staff, your power, your strength. They comfort me. When we take a look at this, Revelation chapter 7 was at the very beginning of what is known as the, in the Greek, the phlipsis, the great pressure. It is also referred to in biblical circles as the great tribulation, a time of seven years in which those residing on earth must make, talk about pressure, make the decision. Save your soul, you most likely will lose your life, your earthly life. Save your earthly life, you will lose your soul. This is what's going on down there. The 144,000 missionaries are sent out in the commission at the very beginning, and this now in 14 is showing us these seven chapters later at the end of the seven years they did win. They're standing on Mount Zion. Now Mount Zion is one of the names that we could uh, equate to heaven on there. This is Mount Zion. Well, see, When I visited Israel and I went to Jerusalem, Jerusalem is on an elevation. It's on a hill. And when we look in the scriptures, that elevation is also brought in a spiritual plane because the Lord says Mount Zion is the place, the the very, very protective and loving place where I gather my children. I want you to think about this. Uh, Psalm 48, as we take a look at it, and the praise is coming and it says great is yahweh greatly to be praised in the city of our god in the mountain of his holiness beautiful for situation the joy of the whole earth is mount zion on the sides of the north the city of the great king god is known in her palaces god is known in her palaces for a refuge you see that we look at micah chapter 4 and verse 7 and you see in this prophecy and i will make her that halted a remnant And her that was cast far off in a strong nation, and Yahweh shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth, even forever. I think also of Joel chapter 2. Go to verse 32. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, just as Yahweh has said, and in the remnant whom Yahweh shall call. Mount Zion is equated to the place of refuge heaven. It could be paradise. It could be heaven. It is emphasized that this is the domain of refuge for the redeemed. Now, when we see this, we take a look and it reminds me on this when we see that the seal is of God and God is protecting. I look back and this brought to mind uh, when I go back to 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 17. And the army is surrounding Elisha and his, would you call them like a little college, a seminary. And during that time, there's a fear. One of the students comes over, we're surrounded, here's the enemy, they're they're coming after us. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, do not be afraid, Elisha answered, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. That's a massive army. Then Elisha prays, Elisha. E-L-I-S-H-A, Elisha, this one who had followed Elijah. Elisha prayed, O Yahweh, please open his eyes that he may see. And Yahweh opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the Arameans came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness and we see the victory, you wouldn't know that they're being protected because the invisible God, who shows through His many attributes his love toward us, as it says in Romans chapter 1, but many times in this tangible world we cannot see exactly what's going on. But just because our sight is limited doesn't mean that God is watching over his ones, and we see it here. And that's also what we see in Revelation chapter 14. We see God in protection of these ones, these missionaries here. As they are serving him so very, very faithfully, they have a special protection here. Now, let's continue on as we look at this here. He then is describing it, John is describing that they have his father's name, these 144,000 written on their forehead. And this is strange because we saw in the last chapter, the call to allegiance in chapter 13 was to take the Antichrist, take the beast's mark on your hand or forehead. Now, what we are saying here, this is ownership. Who are you going to have that will be in charge of you? Those ones that wanted to save their own skin or to have things immediately in front of them for satisfaction Will choose the Antichrist, the Beast. Those even on Earth who did not were not taken in the Rapture because they had not made a decision. Will make a decision now. Will call upon the Lord through the missionary efforts of the one hundred forty-four thousand. And these mission, these ones that hear the missionaries, they've also been sealed, and they have been sealed to be protected from the attacks of Satan. And we see a wonderful answer on this, in this we are also seeing that the voice of many waters, the voice of God, the voice like loud thunder, uh, think about it when it says it, the voice of uh, God in many waters. That reminds me back in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 15. It says, And his feet like are like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. When you see consistently that phrase being used, think of Niagara standing next to Niagara, or the water moving about in a hurricane, or in a flood, the roar of the flood. I remember when we lived in Phoenix, and they opened an aqueduct uh, uh, through the town, and the water just roared out, talking about a massive, massive movement. This is God doing this too. And when we see this voice coming from God, we're seeing part of the celebration is hearing God. I, I think about Zephaniah 3.17, when it talks about the joy of the Lord in singing over the redeemed, the prophecy in the future. Verse 14, we will sing to him. And verse 17, he will sing to us. Involved in that is also their instruments. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harp. Now, when we were talking about this, I want you to go back and think about this in Revelation chapter 5. Go back to chapter 5 and then mark this down in your notes, verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, this is when Jesus has taken the scroll of ownership back and says, this is mine. There's a wild celebration. And the four heavenly beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps, golden vials full of odors of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And those prayers are calling for God's justice. They are here, but also they are given a wonderful celestial instrument, a harp. And you can even imagine just hearing. We had some friends over at church when I was in Tennessee on staff, and one of the members, she played a harp on occasion about once every two months. She would play before the congregation, and it was just a stillness, a beauty of uh, this wonderful, wonderful instrument. Can you imagine when this is tuned in heaven, what it will sound like? And will this harp look exactly like the earthly harps? We don't know. Remember, Two of the most repeated words all through Revelation are like and as. And so when we see this, we're seeing that this is, and it could be that John's saying, well, the closest I can tell you is it's like a harp. And that's left in the, uh, uh, to the, uh, uh, the thinking of people, the conjecture, is it closest to a harp than anything else? So I'm going to do this right now. We've taken in a good introductory part on this, and so I'm going to stop at this break right now. We've got the identification of these 144,000. They are missionaries. They are victorious. They are celibate. We will talk some more about that in our next podcast, but we're seeing this. In this, what do they do? Do they celebrate themselves? No. Do they celebrate their wiliness, their ability to get around, their craftiness, their speed no not at all the celebration is in heaven with jesus celebrating mount zion they are celebrating a wonderful wonderful victory and all the glory goes to god remember as we keep talking about this even on earth as it is in heaven god's will be done and what should that be first corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 whether therefore we eat or drink or whatever we do we do all to the glory of god We're celebrating Yahweh, letting people know of his glory, his joy, his victory, and mindful of his justice and his care. All of these things and many more we celebrate there. And in this, this is one thing that they're doing. We were able to win because of you, Yahweh. Father, you took care of us. And I think of the disciples coming back in great excitement in Luke chapter 10, saying to Jesus, in your name, we were able to do miraculous things. And I think that that is the attitude of all of us today as we want to honor the Lord is. Whatever we do, we give glory to you because, as it says in Philippians 1.21, that for to me to live is Christ. And even Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And so we see this and it continues on into eternity. Wonderful celebrations, exciting horizon. Well, you might hear the birds outside here of the barn, the barn recording studio, because I've opened up the doors. It's a wonderful South Carolina evening here. And I want to thank you, and so do they, in thanking you for being with me here today. And we're going to continue on in our talk about Revelation, that you might be able to understand verse by verse these prophecies and how God is bringing victory and comfort to the believer. Thank you so much. Listen, if you're able to help us, we're in the final stages of getting the... Well, maybe not the final stages, but we're in the in the area of really kind of sealing up the recording studio. I'm really aiming in the long run. You know, if it's hot here in the summertime, I can open up the barn doors. But in the wintertime, I'm going to need some. So we, we we need some heat. And so I'm, we're, we're putting up the insulation. We're about, oh, I'd say about 75% done on the insulation. Then the sheetrock goes up, and then I'm going to be getting some new cameras and recording equipment. If you're able to help us in any way, would you consider that? I appreciate it so very, very much. We could use it. In, if you will contact us through uh, our website at Zulon.org, or if you would like to contact me at Brad at Heaven T-O-U-R dot org, and then let me know if you're able to help us out. If not, not financially, just pray for me. Just pray in the encouragement uh, uh, that we need as we continue on heading to churches, and I speak at churches, and uh, our outreach through the many many different uh, social media outlets. Thank you so much. This is Brad Zocco here in upcountry South Carolina. God bless you. Take care, and Lord willing, we will talk soon.